All right, lo- welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax, and we're doing this on Twitter Spaces one more time. Who knows if this is actually going to work in terms of a download if you're listening to this on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google, on iHeart, on Apple. We figured it out, and you should be very proud of me in my lack of technological information. Uh, we, 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 we got it done, so to speak, in terms of how in the world you download this cursed thing. Uh, but at the same time, if not, we're going to have fun with the folks that interact with us on Twitter, mix it up this time. Uh, every couple of months here, we'll do a Twitter spaces version of GBB live. And this is a great opportunity to do just that. Again, I'm Joe Mullinax. I'm the host of the podcast. I am also the site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues. I've been doing this for far too long now. Uh, goodness gracious. I, five years, eight years, however long it is. Um, it's certainly longer than my hairline. I can tell you that much in, in terms of how long I've been doing this gig. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us in the spaces over the next, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. It's been a long day. I'm getting old. Uh, you know, I got to go to bed here soon. Those sorts of things. I'm joined by my co-host, associate editor, over at grizzlybearblues.com, wrote a great piece about Zaire Williams on Wednesday. It went live. Best of SB Nation himself, Mr. Parker Fleming, is on with me on the spaces. How are you doing, Parker? Joe, I'm doing great. Um, you know, it's um, it's halfway to the weekend. Can't complain about that. Um, and, you know, I, I think one thing you probably really appreciated about my Zaire Williams piece is that I even tied in your piece of walking the line with Zaire Williams back in November, and then I tied it into how they're walking the line right now, and it's paying off. Pretty cool full circle stuff right there. I tell you what, you know, that's life in a nutshell, right? It's the circle of life. It's the circle of bloggerdom. Um, just living the dream, you know, me uh, being the typical uh, negative Nancy uh, not quite as negative Nate or as much of a, much, as much of a negative person as negative Nate Chester. But, you know, I, I try to keep it real from time to time, maybe a little too real uh, in terms of some of my hot takes. And I think that Zaire is an interesting case study and we can lead off with him. And by the way, if you're in the Twitter space, by all means, make a request. If you have a take you want to include, I see some uh, some good friends of ours in here with us, which I appreciate. If you're not one of those folks, if you're anybody just kind of hanging out listening as we record this show, by all means, hop in on uh, Spaces, make a request. You know, I want this to be an interactive thing, unless you're my father. If you're my dad, uh, you're not allowed to, to chime in on Twitter Spaces. You can just listen. But everybody else, by all means, um, feel free to, to make a request to 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 hang out with Parker and I as we talk through various Grizzlies topics in this Twitter spaces. Uh, Your piece on Zaire Williams is a great example of the development that these Grizzlies, this coaching staff led by Taylor Jenkins, the front office led by Zach Kleiman, uh, the development that these guys do is remarkable. Uh, It it really is impressive. The staff, um, remarkable work. Zaire Williams, before he got injured, was one of the worst rotation players in the NBA. I don't think that's something that makes me a hater. I don't think that is a, why why are you hating on the poor guy? It was true. Statistically, your eyes, any measure you saw or you read or you analyzed told you that Zaire Williams was a bad 
NBA player in that moment. But in fairness, Zach Kleiman preached patience with Zaire. I and others preached patience with Zaire. It was always that home run swing. And the injury, it turns out, Parker, and you wrote about this, may have been the best thing that ever happened to him because he came back almost a completely different player, really impressive in terms of the work that he's done developing his game. You talked about how his shot distribution has improved somewhat. Uh, Obviously, he's been given tough defensive assignments, given his frame and his ability to compete at that level. Uh, They are, I think you said, 16 and 6, something along those lines. 16 and 6. 16 and 6 with Zaire Williams as the starter. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up Zaire Parker because I'm curious... You are one of, along with Connor Dunning and others, one of the lead landowners and lead mayors, maybe even the governor of Dylan Brooks Island. When Dylan Brooks returns, there's louder kind of clamorings for whether or not Dylan should be a reserve coming off the bench. Where do you stand on that? We've talked about it a little bit in the past, but I want to give you the floor. Again, you are the, the grand poobah of Dylan Brooks Island. The Grizzlies are 16-6 and six with Zaire Williams starting. I think everyone would agree that Dylan Brooks is an important part of the team. I'm not saying you bench him outright. Of course not. But do you appreciate the high-usage scoring of Dylan more in the reserve role and then he finishes games on a guy like a Luka Doncic in the playoffs or uh, D'Angelo Russell uh, so maybe the Timberwolves don't cook the Grizzlies quite as bad? Or do you just let Dylan slide into that starting role and hope that Zaire can kind of pick up some of that scoring pop uh, when he comes off the bench when Dylan returns? Um, I, you know, it's very, I don't know if it's like lazy to say this, but I just don't know. I don't know what they should do about it because, you know, on one hand, they, they need a scoring pop off the bench. That's no secret. I mean, they get guys like D'Anthony Melton, Brandon Clark, and here and there, Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones giving high-scoring nights. But when it comes to creating offense in the half court, they don't have anyone really to do so. Dylan Brooks can do that. He's a high-usage guy. But at the same time, you know, you get into these playoff situations and you want a you want somebody to guard the opposing team's best player because, let's be honest, Zaire Williams and Desmond Bain, I don't know if they're cut out for that prominent of a role in the 2021-2022 season. As much as they've shown it right now, you know, we've always said the playoffs are an entire di- different animal. And I like how you mentioned Luka, for example. Last season, uh, per the NBA's matchup data, I'm looking at it right now, Luka Doncic shot 7-21 of 21 against Dylan Brooks. And I think it's because Dylan Brooks is the only player on the team to match his physicality, uh, when it comes to uh, defending on the perimeter, defending his drives, and also to, like, I, I think what they need to do, um, and actually, good pal Brandon Abraham had just uh, texted this, start Dylan, but maybe just em- it emphasizes staggering the minutes more and just staggering the minutes better. Uh, I wrote about this, I want to say Monday, with the bench piece. Right now, you know, they're staggering that first stagger of, Job, Bain, Melton. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Job, Melton, Zaire, Anderson, and Adams just kicking ass right now. Like, there they are. I want to say it's like a plus 25 net rating, something like that. That's pretty solid. And then we can get Dylan Brooks. And so then the other stagger, you have Tyus, Desmond Bain, John Conchar, 
Brandon Clark, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. It's the other end of the spectrum. They're getting demolished. And sorry to upset my, my good friend Brandon, but if you replaced John Conchar with Dylan Brooks, surely you'll have better production. And I want to say the matchup data with Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark, a.k.a. the Twins, a.k.a. the Vamp Bros., it's really good. It's actually phenomenal. Uh, I want to say their uh, net rating as a trio alongside Tyus Jones is something like a plus 25 per 100 possessions with uh, Jones, Brooks, Jackson, Clark. So really, filling one of those with Melton, Bain, or Williams should be fine. So yeah, when you're getting into the playoffs, it's going to be all about staggering. Let's be real. Dylan Brooks isn't coming back with 40 games left in the season. He's coming in with 15. You want to get ready for the postseason? Just just, st- just stick with what you know. And it would be different, too, if the starting lineup of Job, Bain, and Brooks, Jackson, and Adams were bad. They've been pretty solid this season, so I wouldn't really – I really wouldn't make a drastic decision like that, especially since, as John Morant and Taylor Jenkins would say, Dylan Brooks is the spiritual leader of that team. He's the head of the snake. You, you ride with that guy in your starting lineup. He has remarkable energy, and I think that that is something that they'll benefit immensely from, especially on the defensive end when he returns. I think that he's your first guy you sub out when you get into the rotation. And, you know, uh, Keith Parrish of Fast Break Breakfast is big on the rotations and the numbers, the pairings with these lineups. For me, Watching Dylan Brooks and the way that he plays the game, his value to the starting lineup is going to be defensive in nature. Uh, John Morant should get as many shots as he wants. Desmond Bain has grown as a scorer. Current slump notwithstanding. Jaron Jackson Jr. has the capacity to be that guy. Again, he's been slumping of late, but he has the capacity to go off for 20 or so points at any point. Uh, I, I personally feel that Dylan offensively would be better served in that traditional sixth man role where he's the lead guy in terms of volume when jaws on the bench, when Jaron or Bain are on the bench, that to me would be the best use of Dylan, but you can get to that look to your point without Dylan coming off as a reserve. He can be that sixth man in air quotes without truly being the sixth man. And I think that's something that they'll continue to explore. You're listening to GBB Live. We're here on Twitter Spaces. Uh, We're going to try to download this and upload it as a podcast. Hopefully that works. If it doesn't, we're having fun on Twitter. Make sure you're sharing this link with your friends. Like I said, we got another 30 minutes or so, give or take, here. Uh, Certainly want this to be interactive. Feel free to chime in, request. I'm still learning Twitter Spaces. So unless you're my father, I want to stress that. Uh, unless you're my dad, feel free to uh, to ask uh, to join us and we can kind of talk through. The, the the main topics for the show are in the title on Twitter spaces. Uh, I wanted to make sure I shouted out Parker's piece on Zaire because it was fantastic. Um, John Morant did what? And that's going to be the first thing we kind of talk about in this first Twitter spaces segment here. John Morant continues to amaze, shock and awe, however you want to phrase it. He he really is someone that the NBA has not seen the likes of maybe ever, but that, that seems hyperbolic to me. You, you've had guys that have kind of taken the league by storm in the past. Uh, you know, Allen Iverson's swagger, 
meets the explosiveness of Michael Jordan, meets the, you know, just general lack of regard for his body uh, of, you know, of Russell Westbrook in his you know earlier years driving and flying to the rim. There's so many players that you can kind of compare Jaw to that I think the list gets so long that you just say he's going to be the first Jaw Morant. And that seems to be very much in the mix here. Parker, a phenomenon has occurred over the last several days. I know you've noticed it. I've noticed it. John Morant has gotten to the point, being this new, young, fresh face of the NBA, that I feel like opposing teams are starting to to get jealous of the Memphis Grizzlies, which has never happened before. I am very much a grit-and-grind truther, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. So I'm not acting like I you know, I'm obsessed with this team being the best of all time or having that argument even um, when it comes to Grizzlies history. But they're certainly fun, and they certainly get a heck of a lot more of attention of the attention of the NBA world than Grit and Grind ever did. And I think that we're starting to see jealousy about the Memphis Grizzlies, and I'm using an upward inflection there because it's surprising to me that, again – Memphis and the Grizzlies. I love Memphis. I lived there for three years. It was wonderful, beautiful. I still do what I do in part because of how much I love Memphis. <laughs> the fact that the New York Knicks are acting very sad on Twitter, or at least fans of the New York Knicks, RJ Barrett could score 70 points and everybody would just care about John Moran. Like the, the fact that we are the object of jealousy. I think that that is one of the most impressive things about what John Morant has done. You have people like Keyshawn Johnson on ESPN radio, I believe it was, or on get up, whatever it's called uh, talking about how Memphis is a, is going to be a free agency destination. That has never been true. I was excited for signing Chandler Parsons. And at the time had his knees worked, that would have been the best signing in Grizzlies history in free agency. And that still wouldn't have been very sexy. Aside from his aesthetics, you know, in terms of basketball, that wasn't something that was super exciting. So are we in a position now, Parker, where we can legitimately say that large markets, teams that have had success recently, the Knicks were in the playoffs last season. They're jealous of the Memphis Grizzlies. How sweet is that? Okay, I got to Before I get into my point, I got to tell you a really funny point that uh, goes along with this. So there was an ESPN segment that was cut up. Uh, the other day, where Stephen A. was kind of going on a rant, wishing that his New York Knicks lost more games in the 2018-2019 season so that they can get better odds, get John Morant. Joe, it's hilarious because the Knicks were the worst team in the league. It wasn't like they would have been per- – they would have had the highest odds no matter what. They were the worst team in the league. They could have gotten him anyways, but they – the only way they were getting him is getting up in the lottery or the Grizzlies taking R.J. Barrett. So – I, I thought that that part was kind of hilarious because he just kind of, you know, Stephen A. showing himself a little bit. I mean, kind of a weekly thing, but that's besides the point with the talk show host. But dude, it's it's so much it's so much fun. Like people are like now, like you know, people are like, oh, people just say, oh, I wish the Grizzlies would get on um, national TV more, be talked about on national TV more, or you would have. Man, I tell you what, you you talk about grit and grind truthers. I remember being so whatever 
about the Los Angeles Clippers getting attention because I'm like, man, we're better than these folks. Like, we beat them in playoff series. Like, why are they getting this this shine? The Grizzlies are better. And we're just seeing the power of actually having a superstar. Like, hell, even a, a star. Like, Zach Randolph was a star, but not with a star alert. Same could be said about Marcus Gasol. But, like, just even a star, it was it would have been cool. But, man, they have a superstar that people are saying, oh, yeah, best ticket in the league. He is somebody who could be the face of the NBA. Man, that's big. That is absolutely big. I never thought I'd see the day, Joe, to be honest. I don't know how to feel. I don't know what to do with my hands uh, in the eternal words of Ricky Bobby. I am just in awe of the attention that he brings in a positive way. I do think that some of the things he does on social media, the trash talking that has been alluded to, I think that there is some of that energy that people are starting to dislike. The Grizzlies in some form or fashion, like Patrick Beverly in the Minnesota Timberwolves, very clearly dislike uh, the the way that the Grizzlies go about their business. Um, I, I just think it is amazing because, again, I've been doing this for a long time. Parker, you grew up as a fan of the team. This is not something we're used to, right? This is very much uh, a whole new world because John Morant is doing things – both on and off the floor, that have never happened for the Memphis Grizzlies franchise in terms of their ability or his ability to bring eyes to the the organization. Uh, NBA Communications recently tweeted out, I think it was earlier uh, Wednesday, you know, all the different engagements with his highlight dunk over Jacob Pertle, uh, the half-court alley or the full-court alley-oop pass from Steven Adams that he converted. He is one of the most socially engaged players of this year. And I made the point Parker and you're much more engaged with this than I am. So I wanted to get your take on it. Maybe in 2002, when the Grizzlies first came to Memphis, if John Morant had been on the team, then maybe he eventually wants to be a part of a bigger market, right? The idea of a large market that gets talked about with Zion Williamson going to New York potentially or somewhere else all the time with the Pelicans. And it's been part of the narrative with regard to the Memphis Grizzlies and free agency and all that kind of stuff. But I would argue, Parker, and again, by all means, correct me if I'm wrong, you're younger and cooler than me. 21st century social media negates that some. The world has never been smaller. And I am more convinced than ever before that John Morant can have everything he wants, a Nike shoe, uh, you know, all sorts of endorsement deals, he can get all of these things while still being the king of Memphis, Tennessee, and leading this new era of basketball, not just for the franchise, but for the entire city. I think that knowing, well, not knowing him, I don't know him, from watching from afar and the stories that we've read and the interviews that he's done, I'm, I'm really kind of interested to see what he is capable of doing as a part of the global NBA landscape, just as a part of the Memphis Grizzlies, staying in Memphis, he's going to be an interesting case study in terms of can the face of the NBA in the 21st century be someone that is in Memphis, Tennessee, arguably the smallest market in the entire place. I think that is really kind of a fascinating thing 
to, uh, to, to, to think about because that wouldn't have happened in 2002, arguably. That wouldn't have happened in 1992, 1982, whatever the year. Uh, the, the dawn of this age of social media allows for things like the idea of John Morant, potentially, I'm being hypothetical here, spending his entire career in Memphis, being the face of the league in such a small market because of the impacts that social media and other more modern forms of technology have on the game and our way of taking in the game. I'm going to be completely honest. From like 2002 on, you cut out, but I think I'm, I'm picking up the point. I think it's, <laughs> it's going to Twitter spaces. It's going to be possible. I mean, I, I think so. I mean, I think social media is very powerful in that. And also, too, you know, you've had guys that, you know, they were in smaller markets. They stayed their entire careers and they made a great, well-known career for themselves. Um, honestly, I feel like if Tim Duncan was a little more outgoing, he probably would have been that way. But he's very reserved. He's a lot like Jokic in that matter. Like, he's just like. Very low-key. He's not going to make a big media deal or whatever. Um, Russell Westbrook was in OKC for a long time. And who knows how long Kevin Durant would have been there if they had actually uh, won a championship with that core. And they were very close to. Uh, I think it's possible. You know, I think um, reading uh, Drew Hills from uh, the Daily Miffian, his um, series becoming job before the All-Star game, I think that's a very good scope and understanding of how John Morant can be that guy while still staying in Memphis. Cause you really got to like, kind of like see what he's about, how he grew up, stuff like that. So I, I think it's possible. And I think, I think social media makes it more possible, but you know what else makes it possible, Joe winning basketball games. That's what makes it possible. And the Grizzlies wouldn't be getting in any of this fame, even if John Morant was posting 27, six and six. And they had, let's say, let's say you flipped it where the Lakers were that three seed and the Grizzlies were that play in bubble team. John Morant wouldn't be getting in these, this attention. It's because they're winning. So that's where I'm at. Winning is important. We'll, winning heals all things. And the fact that they're winning in spite of a front office that is not actively pursuing it to the level of acquiring a James Harden, making a trade to make yourself a title contender. I'm not saying that in a negative way. They have built this thing over the long run, over the long view, Parker Fleming, shout out, to put themselves in a position that they don't have to be desperate and they can win and develop their young talent at the same time, it's almost too good to be true that we're in this position. I want to give folks that are in the Twitter spaces, anybody that wants to chime in on Jaw and our conversation about the uh, the craziness it is that so, Memphis is being ju- – people are jealous of us, Parker. I actually would – I can't actually make a request for someone, but I really want to make a request for someone to request. Okay, by and all, I, by I all means. Love, I would love Nick – to chime in because because you know i'm gonna put this out there you know mavericks and grizzly stuff there's been a little jaw versus lucas stuff there has and you know what joe i love it because you know we need robberies in the year 2020 we or 2022 we need it but also i'm a diehard fan of both players and just breaks my heart that we're having to have the jaw or luca 
in the day and age where I scream, hey, why can't we just appreciate good players? So I'd love Nick to speak on uh, just this matter. Nick, what's up, man? Gentlemen, hello. Grizzlies, hello, Grizzlies Nick. fans, I come in peace. I'm glad you're here. I, got, I get yelled at by Mavericks fans every day now. Oh. It's almost fantastic. I enjoy it to an extent. It's like waking up, I have a cup of coffee. I eat my Jimmy Dean turkey sausage sandwich, and I check to see what Dallas Mavericks fans hate my guts. <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> yes. They are very passionate. Yeah, now. very passionate. Of definitely a rambunctious group. Uh, and there's different sects, too, which I think comes in different, you know, with different fan bases. But there's the, you know, pre, uh, there's the pre-Luca fans that are the, like the real MFFLs that have been Mavs fans, you know, forever that were, that came on with Dirk or even sometimes before that. Then there's the ones that came in with Luca, And then there's some even newer ones that have come in uh, even more recently when Luca like even rose to the, the higher power that he's at right now. Uh, and so, yeah, there's a whole bunch of different Mavs fans. But to, to your guys' point about the whole job versus Luca thing, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I feel like can't we just appreciate both players? It doesn't have to be a this or that, you know, type of player. Uh, I think that Luca is a better player. I think I'm just going to hold on to that. Jaws having a better season. The team's doing better. Uh, but I think you can believe that somebody's a better player while someone else has a better season. Barbecue shop versus central barbecue. Chocolate ice cream versus cookies and cream. We can have both things, everyone. We can enjoy all of these things together and be happy. Until the playoffs. And, <laughs> sure. And even if there is a playoffs, I, I think that's the interesting thing about the Grizzlies versus the Mavericks. The Grizzlies are still in a position, Nick, where I truly believe – and by all means, we have plenty of great thinkers and, and folks listening here in the Twitter spaces. Chime in if you disagree. If the Grizzlies get the Mavericks somehow in the first round and Memphis loses to Dallas in a hard-fought six- or seven-game series, I think that fans would be like, oh, God, that sucks. But they have not, as a front office, directly made the types of moves that Dallas has made to try to be more of a contender in the here and now. If the you fail, flip the, the failed moves that they've made, or what? <laughs> I, I, but you under, but you you're making my get, point a little bit for me. Yeah, right. If if you flip the script and it's Dallas versus Memphis, Memphis is the four seed. Whatever they have home court in Game Seven, and the Grizzlies win that hard fought series. Dallas is imploding. I don't know that that's the case yet for Memphis. They'll eventually get there, but it's just an interesting measure of the, the rivalry between the two teams, or at least the two fan bases maybe, and how they're still very much in different places in terms of how they're going to perceive this upcoming postseason run. People in Memphis will be disappointed if they don't win that playoff series. Don't get me wrong. I think Dallas fans will think, you know, the earth is ending. So, Do you think that Memphis fans don't expect to win that series if it comes down to that point, or that Memphis wouldn't be favored? I, I think, think it's that, 50-50. Yes, I would agree. I would I'd say it's a coin flip if it's Dallas versus Memphis. Parker going with the pick with with the pick 'em, the boring the boring just straight up pick 'em. Well, well here's the thing. It's like I think Memphis has the better like I've I think Memphis is a better team, but I I've also seen what Luca's done to the Los Angeles Clippers who's thrown Paul George and Kawhi Leonard at him. Yes. Like he he's looking like like an all-time great player with all-time great defenders guarding him. Like it's interesting, but I mean, I, I ultimately think the Grizzlies win because I think they had the better all-around team, and I think Ja can match Luka's level of play. But still, also, too, I am 
I'm a number one fan of this playoff series because we need rivalries. We need a new rivalry, but also, too, the content between Grizzlies uh, blogging Twitter and Mavericks blogging <laughs> Twitter, it would be at an all-time high for sure. Yeah. Hashtag be- content. That's what we're all about. Sean's in here, too, and Sean would agree with me as well. Hashtag content's what we're all about. Yeah, Sean does know the content is king. He's worked at GBB long enough, and obviously through Locked On Grizzlies, he, he knows that as well. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you chiming in, buddy, and good luck the rest of the way unless you play the Grizzlies again. <laughs> yeah, guys, hopefully it's a playoff series, or maybe it's not, and then we can still be friends. There you go. Oh, uh, you can always be my friend, Nick. You're always my friend. Um, I, I'm going to regret doing this, Parker, but before we go to our break and we transition to you know the, the hot-button topic of whether or not this is the greatest Grizzlies team in history, I'm going to allow uh, Nathan Chester, uh, senior writer over at GrizzlyBearBlues.com. He, he's here, and he's requested to speak, and you know I asked for people to chime in, and you, you know it, I might regret this, but uh, Nate Chester, the floor is yours. What is your take on uh, the current state of things? with the Grizzlies, playoffs, John Morant, you know. We're here on Twitter Spaces. We're having fun, and you're probably going to ruin it, Nate. He's still connecting. That is very on brand for Nate Chester. Still connecting. We're going to go to Brandon Abraham instead. I'm going to mute that mic, and then I'm going to go to Brandon Abraham because you know what, Brandon? Mr. Hustle. Yes, Mr. Hustle himself is going to be highly entertaining, and he's going to connect on time. Brandon, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm hanging out here on Twitter Spaces. I'm, you know, reflecting on all the Mavs fans that were mad at me today and really kind of enjoying the opportunity to watch a team in Memphis and these Grizzlies that opposing fan bases are jealous of. That's uh, kind of a nice feeling. Yeah, yeah. To piggyback what you guys were talking about a little bit earlier, it, it it's weird that the New York Knicks, you know, who were just – months ago from you know being the talk of the Knicks are back you know all the hype around RJ Barrett I mean you would have thought Julius Randle was an MVP player with the hype they were getting and now all of a sudden they're upset that John Morant's getting attention for dropping 52 points in a game it's you know it's kind of nice seeing these big markets kind of you know bitch and moan and cry that the Grizzlies are awesome it is very ironic, and I enjoy it, and I'm very much am in the mode and thought process of a young Eric Cartman uh, drinking the salty tears and enjoying every bit of it. I've watched a lot of Grizzlies basketball over the almost decade here. I know there's folks like uh, Sharon Shy Brown and others that have you know watched the Grizzlies for a long time that are in the in the spaces. Uh, Bryson, one of our newest writers over at GBB, has been watching it you know since he was 11 years old when I started this gig. So it's a uh, it's an interesting kind of thought process that we've gone from, you know, being excited about Zebo isolation post ups on the block to folks legitimately being jealous of our awesome young superstar and the great culture that is being built in Memphis. All right. I'm going to regret this. We're going to try this again. Nathan Chester, uh, the, the floor is yours if you are able to speak. How are you doing, Nate? Can you hear me now? Oh, God, there's Nate, senior writer over at grizzlybearblues.com. How are you, I'm doing great. You don't have to sound that excited to see me or hear me, but, you know, know, it's great, man. And like to do piggyback off everything that you've been talking about. 
Um, I think the thing that gets lost the most in all these different discussions that come up, uh, I've seen jealousy from Hawks Twitter over Jabba Rant and the Grizzlies' success. And so there's this weird dynamic going on right now between fans of the Mavericks and Luka, John the Grizzlies, and Trey and the Hawks. And it got me thinking, and back when we were all watching The Last Dance, back in I think it was in early summer of 2020, I remember how everybody was mocking Jerry Krause because of how much he wanted to take credit uh, for the Bulls' success during the Jordan dynasty. And, like, we'll all agree that Michael Jordan was obviously the biggest reason for what the Bulls were able to do. But having a competent front office who puts the best pieces around a superstar player, the importance of that cannot be understated. And so – I think Trey Young, who, like, you know that I was beating the drum on when he was at Oklahoma, and I told y'all he was going to be a star point guard in the NBA. You did. I, I think he's somebody who, like, fits right in with the tier of John Luca. And, yeah, he's got big problems on the defensive end that limit what the Hawks were able to do. He's a big reason why they are 28th in defense, I think, off the top of my head. But their front office has not constructed the proper pieces around them. Now, why that's the case when they have many of the same faces from a team that went on an admittedly fluky runs in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. I don't know. They're not that good, but they shouldn't be this bad. But the point is, you can't look at the guy who's averaging 28 points and nine assists and say it is all his fault that his team is this bad. I don't think John Morant makes a team uh, 20 or so wins better than Trey Young does an NBA team, even though I think John Morant is a superior player. And so Twitter is not necessarily a place for nuance, these types of social media conversations that we have, but the importance of, so- of having someone like Zachary Kleiman, who does have a long view, and like I disagreed with some of the decisions that he made coming into this year. You know, I've eaten crow about it. You know, I'll make my peace with that. But having someone like that who makes the right decisions to put the right proper construction and right pieces that are needed for necessary title contention, I think that gets lost in the superstar conversation. I think people would be wise to remember that. They've drafted extremely well. They've re-signed extremely well. They, they've had very few miscues. And even their miscues were calculated risks from the very beginning, whether it was Justice Winslow, uh, other players of that ilk. Again, I don't want to go down the J. Crowder rabbit hole here, but when they take these risks, they aren't something that's going to cripple the franchise. They aren't you know, making a, a poor draft choice that's going to hurt you for the next four years. They are picking and choosing their spots, and they're very wise and attentive to where those pieces are being picked up. I, I want to make sure that before we move on to uh, the historical context here, Sharon Shy Brown, Hoop City Shy, does a great job over at the Memphis Flyer, uh, old friend of ours, or of mine at least, been doing this as long as I have and perhaps even longer is on the spaces with us. I want to give her a chance to chime in talking about uh, the overall place of the Grizzlies right now. Shy, how are you doing? I'm fine. Um, I just wanted to say um, with Pelican fans, I talked to some of them. They are the opposite. They, okay. Right. So like they don't hate job. They like that job put on for Memphis and they're mad at Zion because of <laughs> job. Right. And it's just like Zion is Zion. They want, Zion to be on social media like Ja. Um, they want Zion to say how much he loves New Orleans like Ja does. Because every chance he gets, Ja 
says about how he Memphis and what he's doing for Memphis. And Pelican fans, they want Zion to do that. So they they like Ja, but they just want Zion to be more vocal like Ja. That's a great point, and I think that's so fascinating. I wrote about that earlier this week over at uh, grizzlybearblues.com, the idea of, or I guess it was last week now, goodness gracious, it all runs together, but the the fact that the Grizzlies really won the 2019 lottery because they wound up number two, because if they had won the number one overall pick, they were going to select Zion Williamson. They would have been ridiculed and destroyed if they hadn't taken Zion Williamson and they would have been wrong to take Zion at least to this stage Zion had an all-star season prior to this one it's fair to point out but it just hasn't worked out in New Orleans it's not a good fit John Morant is a hand-in-glove fit with the Memphis Grizzlies the city of Memphis the franchise the community it's borderline perfect and I really do think that we need to be grateful in a way that we were number two in that draft lottery and not number one because again hindsight's 2020 in that moment the grizzlies would have been destroyed if they had taken jaw number one ahead of zion maybe things still work out the way they have but it's important to keep that perspective we're going to take a quick break here assuming we're able to download this onto our gbb podcast network when we come back i'm going to bring parker back in anybody else that wants to chime in we're going to talk about historical context with these grizzlies are they the best memphis grizzlies team of all time we're going to discuss. Don't go anywhere. GBB Live coming back. Welcome back, everybody, to GBB Live. We're on Twitter Spaces and hopefully on the GBB Podcast Network. If not, that's okay. We're having a good chat. Thanks to everybody that's joined us so far. And, Parker, we're going to go to the GBB Live question of the day, which I'm very excited about because I feel like I have come up with a lot of very, very intense questions of the day of late i'm on a hot streak with my uh, my polls and thanks to the over 100 folks that voted in today's what will the 2021-2022 excuse me, Memphis Grizzlies have to do for you to call them the best Grizzlies team ever? The four options were Parker Fleming. Number one, they already are, which I'm mad at 26% of you. Number two, they win 56-plus total games, so that includes whatever happens in the postseason. Number three, win a playoff series. And then number four, make the conference finals. Which of those options did you vote for, Parker Fleming? And then, by all means, we got Brandon, we got Shy still on. A couple other folks have made some requests. Um, I'm happy to get other people's votes on this part of the conversation. For me, they got to make the conference finals. And I mentioned in the previous part of the spaces, I am very much a grit and grind truther. I became a Grizzlies fan. I moved to Memphis in the peak of grit and grind. It's hard for me, Parker and I have talked about this in separate conversations. I struggle with fully enjoying what is happening at times because I don't want to say that it's more fun or that it's better or whatever it is. It's clearly more fun than grit and grind because that is so much of what my emotional makeup and connection to the team is. But at some point it becomes undeniable, even for an old fuddy-duddy like me, to admit that this team is already on pace. They have the win percentage in line to be in that conversation I think it's fair to say that if they make the Western Conference Finals, they're the best Grizzlies team in NBA history, considering John Morant, the superstar, considering all the accolades they're probably going to be in the top five for. The fact that they're having this success, despite, again, having a front office that is not actively pursuing the best opportunity for them to be a true contender. Uh, I think that that's important to point out, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. 
They have not taken that swing. They don't think they have to, at least not yet. And they've been exactly right. So that all has to matter in terms of the context of this moment. If they make it to the Western Conference Finals, that means that they knocked off a Utah Jazz or a Golden State, somebody of that ilk. That's pretty darn impressive. I think you got to tip your cap. That's where I'm at, Parker. Where are you at? So if I'm hearing you correctly, you with you saying with the with Zach Kleiman, you know, he's not exactly going all in on having a contender moves wise, moves wise. That correct. Once he's ready to do so, they're gonna go seventy four and eight. Is that what you're saying? I don't know about seventy four nah. and eight. I nah. think that if they if they somehow and I, this is hypothetical. Not probably going to happen, especially considering how well Boston, who the Grizzlies play on Thursday night on TNT, going to be must-see television for everybody uh, to see on national TV. Um, I think that if they have somebody like Jalen Brown, they win 60 games. I yeah. don't think that's hyperbole. I think that's the kind of player that puts this team into elite, elite status. They don't have that guy yet. They just simply don't. And I think that it's okay to say that and still acknowledge that this could very well be the best team in Grizzlies history, despite the fact they haven't made those kinds of moves. Yeah, uh, I, I understand that. Um, I mean, to be honest, I for one, I really hope people know I'm I'm being like not. I'm just kidding with the seventy four and eight stuff. Please don't come at me. But um, I think so. You're saying they're going to get their win total. When it comes to regular season success, they're going to get there and win total. I'm, I believe they will. They're going to have a guy who's going to probably finish no less than top five in MVP voting, and he could be like in the top three as well. That's important too. Um, I personally voted for win a playoff series because I'm also more focused on the after effects of that. Like if they, if they win a playoff series. And then, you know, they lose in a hard-fought six or seven-game series to the Golden State Warriors in the second round. I am still very comfortable calling them the the best Grizzlies team in franchise history because, for one, yes, the Western Conference Finals team, they also didn't win, and their flaws were mightily on display in that series as well. And they also kind of benefited from... Patrick Beverly going at Russell Westbrook's knee and taking him out of the playoffs. Um, the Oklahoma City Thunder were the best team in the Western Conference before Russ went down, and Kevin Durant just had to do everything by himself, and Tony Allen was a good enough defender to slow him down to where he couldn't will OKC to wins by himself. Uh, I personally thought the 2015 Grizzlies team is the best right now. Um, I, they were second in the West for most of the year. Um, the only reason they fell to fourth is just because, like, the last week of the season, it, it was, like, airtight between two and six, and they just fell to four. Um, I, I think they had a legit shot to make it to the finals, win it all, but, you know, Mike Conley breaking his face, Tony Allen having a hamstring injury. That kind of put a damper on things. But with the Grizzlies, I mean, I, I just – with this Grizzlies team, like, they're, they're top ten in both offense and defense. I don't think that's that can be said of other Grizzlies teams before. They're going to win probably about 55, 56 games close to the franchise record. And I I think as long as they make it to the second round and they have a competitive series that either ends in six or seven games or results in the Grizzlies getting to the Western Conference Finals, I think once they get to the Western Conference Finals, they won't get swept because I think they match up well with uh, Phoenix or Utah. Then 
I'm very comfortable that by the end of the season, I will be calling this team the best Grizzlies team in franchise history. It pains this cold grit and grind heart to say it, but I think that you are exactly right. If they make the Western Conference Finals, I don't see them getting swept like the 2013 team did. We'll always have the what-if game to play with the 2015 playoff run, Mike Conley breaking his face, all those kinds of things. No one will be able to convince me that team doesn't beat the Golden State Warriors that year. But, again, that's a big what-if hypothetical. And, you know, it'll be up to debate forever and always uh, about that 2015 squad. There may not be much debate involving the 2022 Memphis Grizzlies playoff run. Time will tell. We got several folks requested in the Twitter spaces. We're going to start with one of our newest GB beers, who is literally 20 years old. He tried to have a take today. Bryson, you'll have to remind me uh, what we were talking about in Slack. And I, I told you that you were 12 years old when it happened. So I, I don't know how much you could have uh, been analyzing basketball when you were busy on your Nintendo Switch or whatever the device might have been uh, that you were playing on. But Bryson, Mr. Bryson Wright, you're a, a spaces legend in your own right here on Twitter after this season, and we're excited to have you with us at GBB. What's your take on this? What does this team need to do for you, if anything, for them to become the best Grizzlies team in franchise history? So, Joe, I'm, I actually agree with you. I voted make the Western Conference Finals. Sure. Uh, even though it's that, that 20... 13 team was just I feel like they were just something different a little bit just because they started like they started out on fire which is something that this team didn't do it took them a little bit more time to kind of get there but the thing that I really want to point out is that the fact that we're even having this conversation when this team is built with a bunch of 22 and 23 year olds I think that's the main thing that that I really am surprised about because coming into the season I didn't think that this team even had a chance to, you know, I thought that maybe they would be the five or six seed, but to think about winning 55 plus games already, that's just insane to me. I think that if it's not this year, the next season's team is going to end up being the best team of all time that we've ever had, just because you see how much better Ja got, you see how much better Bain got, you see how much better even Jaron got in last offseason, and if they all stay together for another year and they're all going to mature even more, I think next year you're looking at possibly winning 60 games with the roster that you have now. That's interesting, and I do think that that is a fair point in terms of, Parker mentioned it in the first segment, the idea that Dylan Brooks has not played with this group very consistently, and Dylan Brooks in that Utah Jazz series uh, back in 2021 now, um, Dylan Brooks was the second best player for the Memphis Grizzlies. He was very impressive on both ends of the floor. Donovan Mitchell got him more often than not, but that happens to most players uh, that have to go against uh, Spida. Uh, I do think that we underestimate, I know I at least, underestimate the fact that Dylan has not been there consistently. If they can get him back for the last 12 or so games of the regular season, get him integrated, and they're able to hit the playoffs running, I, I do think that makes them a, a dangerous force in the Western Conference. And moving forward, if they don't make any major trades, uh, you know, the acquisition, in air quotes, of Dylan Brooks could put them in that spot. I'm more of the mind that they need a pretty big trade to do that, but you certainly could make a logical argument, just like Bryson did there. Thank you, buddy, for chiming in. 
Uh, an old friend of mine is asking to speak. He's probably going to yell at me for all my grit and grind love, which is understandable. Uh, Anthony saying co-host of Sports 56 WHBQ Grind Time with our other friend, Peter Edmiston. Uh, he calls himself the tribal chief of Grizz Twitter. And um, he and I have been talking Grizzlies basketball for a decade now. Uh, uh, Mr. Sane, how are you doing, sir? Sane, if you're talking, I can't hear you. Still can't hear you, Sane. Uh, oh, he left. Okay, guess I can't fix it on my end. Um, hopefully he comes back in. Let's go to uh, KH underscore PRA. They've been on hold, so to speak. Uh, we'll check in with them and see what they think about this team being the uh, best of all time. By all means, chime in. Uh, what do you think they need to do for you, or do you think they already are there? Are you there? So They're not there. Joe, what am I doing wrong? If this wrong, one partners? doesn't work, I think we, we haven't heard from Steven Adams' new best friend. Oh, that's right. We do need to bring Steven Adams' new, be- new best friend in on this. Sane just tried to come back in as well, so let's see. Um, I'm sorry to do this, KH underscore PRA. I'm not sure why it's not working for you. Hopefully you're able to chime back in. Um, let's try saying one more time, bringing him back on. Uh, we'll blame Twitter for this. Twitter is, uh, you know, to, to struggle. There he is. What's up, right, Sane? What do do? How you doing, man, buddy? I'm good. I'm losing my voice for some reason, man. Whenever the weather changes, well, it kind of does. Well, it's because you're yelling and cheering for John Morant yeah, at these like games so much. Something like that. What's up with you? <laughs> Not much, buddy. We're just trying to break down where we think the Grizzlies 2021-2022 edition currently ranks and what they need to do to be among the very best of all time. You've watched plenty of Grizzlies basketball even more than me. Where do you stand on this? This is the best team we ever had, man. Like, without a doubt. And it's just the fact that... So you would be one of the 26% that say they're the best team ever right now. Yeah, I mean, what team is better than this? When have we ever been, like, looking at second in the West this late in the season and this young? With that... 2015. No, no, we wouldn't, bro. We were twenty, and we were yeah, second in the we, West in twenty fifteen. We, like we went down, down was fine. We didn't even win the division that year. I remember, I remember that year very well, man. This is it, bro. This is it. We young, we super young. Our core is super young. We we're not really missing much as far as any position, really. This this is the best grade of team we ever seen. And then, like in that team back then, you didn't when when that team was was good, you didn't know how they were going to get better. You see how this team is going to get better, either we, either with guys that are on the roster, or you can either see the path where they need to use assets, draft picks, whatever to get better. This is this is it, man. We, we're in, we, we're in that time, man, right now. Well, I think you're exactly right about. I think you're exactly right about that saying, and I wrote about that in my piece, uh, talking about enjoying this Memphis moment. Um, you you nailed it in terms of this is a team that has the potential to keep going up, right, Parker? Like, they're not going to necessarily get worse unless something terrible happens injury-wise. This team is on the up and up. They're going to continue to improve. They are ascending. They are not descending. Grit and grind, even in 2015, well, especially in 2015, that kind of felt like their last great chance to make a run, whereas this is just the very beginning of this rise of Grizz Next Gen. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest ties with that Obviously, I, we talked about Zaire at the beginning of the the, uh, the spaces. I almost said the podcast, but it's the spaces. Um, but also, too, Jaron Jackson Jr. this season, I don't want to get like a fire starter or anything, but Jaron Jackson Jr. shot 41.5% from the field and 31.6% from three, 
Whereas the year before his injury, he shot 46.9% from the field, 39.4% from the three. If he starts trending towards that direction, instead of, like, and still, even then, it's only like a point difference what he's doing right now. Is averaging more rebounds, obviously looking like a defensive the defensive player of the year candidate. If he can just get that spike into efficiency, then you'll see the benefits of like the half court offense improving, or he's also just going to become instead of a 16, 17 point per game score, he's going to become more of a 19, 20. And just imagine what that does for the ceiling because that gives yourself a clear cut number two. Like you can already. That doesn't even count the external improvement. That's an entirely another discussion. But there's also internal improvement with these young guys. Because I think you wrote about this, Joe. When Grand Grind was going on, Tony and Zach were in their late 20s. Like These guys are in their early 20s, still have so much room to grow. So, like, what, what Sane said, like, yeah, you – like, with this Grizzlies team, you know you have ways to improve – Whereas with the past grit and grind teams, you know they were good, but you always had to ask, how can they hit that tier, that other gear to become a championship team? All right, we're going to try this again. KH underscore PRA, they've been patient. We've been trying to figure out the speaker issue. Let's give it a shot here. Um, what do you, what say you, KH underscore R, uh, VRA or PRA? Uh, what, what are you thinking in terms of where this team is historically uh, among the great Memphis Grizzlies teams? All right. I'm not sure. It's not working out for me. Uh, let's do Jay Williams at Tennessee DMV. Add him as a speaker here. Hopefully this one works out. Jay, if you're there, uh, by all means, give your give your thoughts on where the Grizzlies are historically already, what they need to do to be the best team ever. I'm so glad that Sane came in right before me uh, because he's absolutely right. Uh, this team is is breaking franchise records left and right. I mean, it feels like seemingly every other night they're breaking a new franchise record, either individual or team-wise. They're on path to have the greatest regular season in NBA history. Uh, They're trending upward towards the end of the season, like Sane said, rather than trending downward. I remember in high school, I was watching that season, and every day I would go and check uh, NBA.com and just see how they were doing. And they just kept trending downward as the nights went on. This team, I'm, I'm watching the Knicks and Philadelphia Sixers game right now, and they have talked about the Grizzlies twice once in the first quarter and once in the second quarter. I mean, they're talking about the Grizzlies during a Knicks game. This is the most exciting, the statistically best, and my favorite Grizzlies team of all time. Lots of fair points there, and I, I do think that you you make a great observation with how the basketball-consuming audience is taking in this Grizzlies team. I tweeted out a day or so ago uh, – the sports junkies, which are a very famous, popular sports talk radio show in the Washington, D.C. area and in Richmond, where I live now in Maryland, they're popular. So anyway, on my way into work, they were talking about John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies for the first time ever. I've listened to the show for almost eight years now going to work, and I had never heard them talk about the Grizzlies until this very time. And, 
you know, they couldn't name who Taylor Jenkins was. They did a bit where they went around the table and bet $5 that anyone could name the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, and they weren't able to, which, you know, um, that, that's par for the course. Um, but I think that the, the point was made that John Morant is definitely the X factor. The Grizzlies have never had a superstar like this. So thank you, Jay. I think you and Sane make fair points there. We're going to bring in Stephen Adams' best friend, the man with the very best accent in all of Grizzlies dumb. Uh, Mr. Sean Coleman, how are you doing, sir? Host of Locked On Grizzlies, of course, and one of our great senior staff writers over at grizzlybearblues.com. Where do you land on this, Sean? Is this the best Grizzlies team of all time already? Do I need to stop holding on to the past or are you like me and you need to see a little bit more, especially in the postseason? Um, I, and first off, thank you for the kind words and hello to everybody. Um, I am to the point to where I think we're, we're kind of even, but, um, that that's me right now. Uh, this team doesn't get out of the first round in terms of the picture of this year. Um, I, I could say you can make an argument either way. Uh, I also feel that a win in the Western Conference Finals that, um, you know, we, we know him as Ed Memphis over at Grizzly Bear Blues. He, he, that's, that's a way to, 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 you know, end all debate, I would think. But, but where I land is this, is that I am content, I've said all season this roster has the potential to. I think it's undeniable. While you want to debate right now whether or not they're the best single season Grizzlies team we've seen, I think it's undeniable they'll, they'll eventually get there. But here's the one thing that stands out to me about this Grizzlies team. In the past, for the Grizzlies to be able, and Parker talked about it, you know, is there that ceiling? Is there a tier that the Grizzlies could not reach that other teams could? Well, in the past, you wouldn't be able to say that with much confidence, I feel. We didn't have that one guy. We didn't have the shooting. We didn't have the offensive ability, though we were very good defensively. This Grizzlies team, though they don't do it consistently yet to a point to where I would call them a true contender, they have the potential to. The same, the questions that you asked about any grit and grind team, you can more confidently answer with this roster, yes, they can, than the grit and grind team. If the other team has a star, a stud to step up and take over and just be undeniable, do the Grizzlies have someone that can do that? Yes, his name is John Morant. Do the Grizzlies, though they don't do it consistently enough yet to the point to where I'm comfortable calling them a true contender, do the Grizzlies have the potential to shoot with a team that gets hot from the floor that night. In the past, heck no. Now they do. You get DeAnthony Melton shooting surges off the bench. You get Jaron. You get Desmond Bain going. They certainly can. Does this team have the ability to play in a shootout with other teams? Absolutely. Does this team have the formula that in today's NBA works? The four top teams in the West all have uh, four of the six best backcourts, in my opinion, in the NBA currently right now. So that's where I stand. And I guess I'm leading to the point to where I would say, you know, probably not 100%, but that's why I lean that, yes, as of right now, it's no longer the potential. This is the best roster we've seen in Grizzlies history. And so, you know, sure, I guess if I had to lean one way, I would say right now they are the best roster we've seen in terms of a single season. That's a sick accent, bro. Where are you from? <laughs> I just couldn't wait to do that. It's a terrible New Zealand impression, but oh gosh, that was yeah. just so cool, Sean. So, you blew uh, up just like uh, just like John Morant did. Go ahead, Parker. Yeah, Sean, I, I had a uh, a question, a follow up question. Um, if you and Stephen Adams had a uh, like a buddy cop movie, what do you think it'd be called? Ooh, this is an important question. 
Uh, let's see here. Um, ah, I, I got it for you. Aquaman and Accent Man. There you go. Nice. Ah, that's actually pretty good for being on the spot. Well done, Sean. Brandon, what were you going to say on this matter? Well, my two cents with it a little bit are, you know, you can have a great regular season. And, you know, if you don't have playoff success, it greatly diminishes that. I mean, you look at the last few Utah teams, you know, they've had fantastic regular seasons and they've made it to the second round. Um, You know, so I think, you know, right now they're definitely the most, you know, I said this in Slack earlier, they're the most fun team. I don't think that's a particularly hot take at this point, but they are the most fun team in franchise history. But for me, they need to win a playoff series to kind of be put in the discussion of best team in franchise history, just because, you know, if they go out and lose in the first round, you know, especially if it's to a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves or something like that, you know, we're going to look back at the season more sourly, you know, than we really should. But, you know, I, I think, you know, when you evaluate the best teams, you have to also entertain postseason success. And, you know, as great as, the season's been so far they've got to do it in the postseason where there are some valid concerns about the half court offense and things of that nature as well as you know some of the teams behind them getting healthier and for a potential series but that's pretty much my two cents on it is you kind of have to factor playoff success and it's easy to kind of ride the emotional high of all the attention we're getting and how much fun the season's been but at the end of the day, playoff success really does kind of matter when you talk about the greatest teams in franchise history. I would agree with that. And I think that obviously they haven't really had a chance to do that yet with that caveat. They'll get that opportunity here in the next month and a half or so. I do believe that that really needs to be the focus is they are doing things that have never been seen before in a regular season matter, matter. Uh, they're certainly in that makes for best regular season team of all time. The playoffs are in another another level. And I'll be really impressed if this team, as currently constructed, is able to do what they're doing now in a seven-game series against a Denver Nuggets, against a Dallas Mavericks. That will be uh, pretty impressive in my mind. Got a couple more requests here, and then we'll get shy in, and then we'll probably close things out. I'm getting old, and I need to go to bed soon. Let's go to Diego, 24, Rest Repo. Uh, they've been waiting for a while. By all means, Diego, chime in. Is this the best Grizzlies team of all time? Diego, are you there? Yeah, hello. Hello. Hello, Diego. Yeah, sorry. I was just watching something. I was watching some John Moran highlights as we were you were speaking. So There yeah. you go. But, um, no, tomorrow I'm going to the Grizzlies game. I'm from Boston. I've lo- loved the Grizzlies for a long time, ever since I started watching basketball. And I think in terms of talent, it's undisputed. Like you can't when when you see John Moran out there, when you see Jaron Jackson out there and Desmond Bain, it's without a doubt you can just tell right off the bat. But I think when it comes to playoff success and what the Grizzlies have been able to do, pushing the Warriors to like six games, beating the young OKC Thunder with KD and James Harden and Russell Westbrook, I just think like they need to do that first. And I think they will get there. I I I have the utmost confidence in them, but. I think they need to do it in order to get there. Thank you, Diego. I appreciate that. And that's where I'm at, too. And again, they have to have that opportunity, right? And they haven't had that chance yet. I do think that the Stephen Adams question is a fascinating one. Who is that ninth man who gets the majority of those minutes off the bench? That's going to be a big one, too. But again, thank you, Diego, 
for chiming in. Uh, let's go to Seven Mithers, which is Smitty B. Slunk. That's an interesting Twitter handle, but you've been waiting patiently, which I appreciate. By all means, chime in. This Grizzlies team, historically speaking, are they already the best of all time to you? If not, what do they got to do to get to that point? Hey, I'm sorry. I uh, I missed out. Did you? Are you talking to me? I am. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, Joe. I'm, uh, this is my first time speaking on your spaces. I'm a huge fan of your content. Uh, I've been a Grizzlies fan since about 06 when I was like nine years old. And so where I land on the on the issue at topic, um, I, I think I think the answer is I think this roster is the best roster undisputed that the Grizzlies probably will see for a very long time. However, I, I mean, I, I don't want to sound too redundant, but I, I really agree with Diego what he with what he just said. I really want to see some playoff success first. And what, what I mean by that is I don't think we're necessarily at the cusp of where the 2015 Grizzlies were, like the height of the grit grind was just something before, to behold. But I think that this roster is going to get there, and I don't think the roster is going to look very much different when we do get there. And so I think that, like, you're going to see Ja, you're going to see Jaron, Dylan, and uh, Bain on that lineup when we do, you know, get to the Western Conference Finals, when we beat the Western Conference Finals and we get to those finals. I, I have no doubt in my mind that that's going to happen in the near future. I just I, – I, I wouldn't call them the best roster yet. I guess is where I land, but I, but I did, I did have one question. Cause I think earlier you mentioned it, you were talking about like big trades and sure. my, uh, I guess my question is, is I hear a lot of people like alluding to that, but I, I haven't seen any real concrete actual options of what a trade would look like and what, what I guess fans of Memphis would want that to look like, because my, I guess my take is that I really want this roster to stay the same. You know, I, I think that these are the guys that are going to get us there. And so I guess I, I'd like to hear a little bit on your take on that. And uh, thanks for having me. Of course. Well, thank you for the kind words. It's appreciated. Somebody out there uh, likes me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think that a great point is made that you, it, it takes two to tango, right? You need another willing partner in order to execute such deal. Jalen Brown has always kind of been somebody whose name has been floated out there. You see in posts from Bobby Marks of ESPN, you know, watch the Grizzlies this summer. They could make a big move. I think I could see Memphis going and trying to get uh, a center to kind of replace Steven Adams if they think Jaron Jackson Jr. should be the four long term. You know, somebody along the lines of, before he was traded, obviously, of a DeMontis Sabonis had been rumored. Uh, those types of names in the past, and you make a fair point that that well kind of runs dry after those guys and you have to wonder are they really that much better than dylan brooks in terms of a contract extension if dylan makes 15 16 million in his next deal would you rather have dylan brooks for three years 45 million dollars or would you rather sign bradley beal to a max contract those are fair questions to debate and kind of discuss as time goes on but it's those kinds of names that theoretically speaking would be the ones that we're looking at here uh, before we go to Shy, I want to add in Justin Payton uh, at JP Franchise 57. He's been waiting patiently. Justin, where do you weigh in on this with the Grizzlies in terms of this version of the team being the best of all time or what they need to do in order to reach that level? Oh, you say it was me? Yes, sir. Oh, thank you so much for um, uh, letting me hop on the hoop spaces. I've been following the Grizzlies and 
how they've been doing and everything. I've been a huge John Morant fan since his days in Moe State and everything. Um, this is a uh, this is a really good roster. You know, a lot of really great hype coming out of Memphis. And just seeing John Morant's first year to where they at now, you know, they improve a lot on the roster. And, you know, give credit to Taylor Jenkins and the way that he's coaching this team. This team is young. They are going after it. They're just playing basketball, playing on the defensive end. Jaron Jackson Jr. was staying healthy, which is a big key. Steven Adams um, being able to be like a quarterback on the team and also setting screens. He's an underrated screener, giving John Wayne a lot of opportunities. And Desmond Bain, Celtics could have had him. I'm a Celtics guy at the end of the day, but, you know, he's been balling. Um I still got to see the playoff success, but I know they kind of improving. You know, they didn't make the playoffs the first year, and then they, uh, you know, made the playoffs the second year and lost in the first round to Utah. And I know there's a lot of motivation coming behind that too as well. So, um, but, you know, the way they're playing now, I didn't expect them to be a top three seed in the West. Um, they really surprised me so much by the way they be playing. And John Morant really, you know, taking that role and being box office and able to will this team to all these wins and everything. So um, the Grizzlies are looking really good. They still got to um, – they figure out their identity and know what they need. Um, they probably just need a couple pieces to be like a contender to me. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited for the future for the Grizzlies and see where they could go. So thank you so much for having me, though. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate you chiming in. Shout out to South Carolina. Saw that you're from there in your bio, and that's really cool. Obviously, John Morant, also a South Carolinian. Uh, Shy, your hand has been up for a while. At least it was up earlier, and I appreciate you being very patient. Again, very few people have better uh, perspective on this than you would. So if you're willing, if you'd chime in, uh, where do these Grizzlies rank in terms of – it doesn't have to be a list per se, but are they the best team for you in history for the Grizzlies, or do they still have to do more? And if it is more, what do they need to do for you to say that? I say they are because they, they are led by a 22-year-old. No, that's like a fair point. A 22-year-old is their leader, and they have a chance to win the division title, which I think they're going to win. This is the best team. Regardless if they are bounced out the playoffs or whatnot, they it's they're led by a twenty two year old. They they don't have a lot of veterans on the team. Like the oldest player is like twenty eight, twenty nine. They're led by a 22 year old. No, that's fair, and you make a great point about the division too. Uh, you know, the twenty thirteen team, the twenty fifteen team. None of those teams uh, got to the point of winning the division. Uh, obviously, the Spurs were still. Uh, at the peak of their powers at that time. But that's a very fair point uh, in terms of the divisional banner. A banner is a banner, uh, even if it's not quite the one that everybody's chasing at the very end of the season. Exactly. Um, they, they're in a position to add something to the rafters of, uh, of FedEx Forum. We're in a position where we can uh, start kind of shutting things down. Parker Fleming, I'm going to uh, invite you to kind of have the last word here before we close out the spaces. Um what are you looking for from this team in terms of the the overall, whether it is the situation with the Celtics, the schedule at large, over the next week or so, what are you most looking forward to watching kind of play out, Parker, with this team? Or is it really just for you, 
they're on TNT. This is going to be awesome. Jaw in Boston against the Jays. Uh, that that's going to be pretty pretty cool to watch unfold in front of the entire basketball audience. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, uh, Jalen Brown is hurt. Um, ah, I missed that. Dang I know. It. I know. Um, what am I most excited? Sorry, my spaces keeps on uh, uh, not working. But um, you said what I'm looking forward to over the next week. Yes. It's early March. You know what that means? No, I don't know what that that's means. That's what Zach Kleinman said. Dylan Brooks should be back. Ah, so that's about that's you, true. You know, over here on Dylan Brooks Island, we're going to get our shades. We're going to get our um, our Louis bags. We're going we're gonna to have some bomb-ass fits. And we're going to be ready to party while our tribal chief returns. And the Grizzlies march on towards the playoffs. I do look forward to Dylan Brooks returning. I think he's kind of the key to them getting out of the first round, especially if it's Dallas, Denver. It's going to be tough for them otherwise, uh, in my opinion. Again, they're going to be playing good teams for seven-game series that have players like a Luka Doncic or a Nikola Jokic that can really kind of take over games and have more experience doing it than this very young Grizzlies team. Dylan Brooks is going to help them tremendously. I think he's their X factor. Parker, thank you so much, buddy. Appreciate you as always. This has been fun. I like yeah. Twitter spaces. It's been fun, Joe. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, and I appreciate everybody that has chimed in on Twitter spaces. Uh, thank you to everybody who spoke. Thank you to everybody who listened. We had a much larger audience than we've had in the past, which is great. All the more reason to keep trying to do these every month or so. Uh, make sure that you're following GBB at SBN Grizzlies. I'm the site manager for SBN's or SBN, SB Nation, excuse me, grizzlybearblues.com, the Memphis Grizzlies fan blog for SB Nation. Been doing it a while. This is definitely the most fun Grizzlies team of all time. Is it the best of all time? I think time will tell. And we'll have a better answer to that question three months from now than we do today. So, again, thank you to everybody that chimed in. Shy, Sean, Justin, Sane, um, Nate, Brandon, so many great folks. Uh, Bryson, really appreciate everybody that came through. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're subscribing to the GBB Podcast Network on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iHeart. However you get a podcast, you can get GBB Live, The Long View, 3 and D starting five, all sorts of great content over at grizzlybearblues.com. It's probably never been a better time to jump on the Memphis Grizzlies bandwagon, and I'm proud of the work that we do over at grizzlybearblues.com. So for Parker and everybody else, I'm Joe Molinax. Grind forth, Grizz Nation, and thanks, Dad, for listening as well. I appreciate you, Pop. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. <laughs>